0: We are continuing today in our series on spiritual gifts and our vision of being a worship plus one church. According to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 5, all spiritual gifts are forms of service. And yet Paul identifies in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, a specialized category called Helps. It is the same Greek word that Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 translates as support. The spiritual gifts of helps is thus a ministry supporting gift. It literally carries with it the connotation of taking a burden off of someone and placing it upon oneself. It is such an important gift because it ensures the ministries of the church continue. Apart from the spiritual gift set into practice, the church stays in park rather than moving forward. This is why I refer to individuals with the gift of helps as the hands of the church. The hands of the church feel the greatest joy and sense of purpose through doing that which is helpful. They recognize needs within the church and they strive to meet them through practical support. Consider carefully the list that Paul presents in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. He says, And God has appointed these in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers after that miracles then gifts of healings helps administrations varieties of tongues it is noteworthy that paul interjects helps in the midst of seven other gifts that are more vocal and more visible It is as if he wants us to recognize that the operations of those more vocal and visible gifts only function effectively because of the individuals who quietly and humbly serve among them. Humble service looks to the needs of others by giving both its sweat and its capital to help meet those needs. Humble service measures itself based on how it ministers to the good of others. Humble service is patterned after the Son of Man who Mark 10 verse 45 says came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In your reading of the Gospels, have you ever paid much attention to the various moments concerning the hands of Jesus. With the leper, Matthew chapter 8, verse 3 says, Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. Immediately that man's leprosy was cleansed. With the sick woman, Matthew chapter 8, and verse 15 says, So he touched her hand and the fever left her. With the dead girl, Matthew chapter 9, verse 25 says, He went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. With Peter, when he was drowning, Matthew chapter 14, verse 31 says, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. With the little children who were brought to him, Matthew chapter 19, verse 15 says, he laid his hands on them. Jesus touched the tongue of the deaf man in Mark 7:33 that he might hear. Jesus put his hands on the blind man in Mark 8, verse 23, that he might see. Jesus took the hand of the man overtaken by demons in Mark nine twenty-seven to set him free. With his hands on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus broke the bread and passed the cup to his disciples and then through his hands, Jesus was nailed to the tree at Calvary. John chapter 20 and verse 20 says that the resurrected Lord showed the disciples his hands and his side, his nail pierced hands, demonstrating his victory over death. And it's because of those nail-pierced hands that Jesus could say in John chapter 10, verse 28, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them from my hand. So it is that believers remain eternally secure in the person of Jesus Christ. It is safe to say that the hands of Jesus recognized physical and spiritual needs and that he met those needs. It's also safe to say that the hands of Jesus showed far greater concern for you and for me than he did for himself. Hallelujah. What a savior. After the bombing of a city in World War II, A story is told about a large statue of Jesus that was severely damaged and when the townspeople found the statue among the rubble they mourned because you see it had been a beloved symbol for them of their faith. Most of the statue however was eventually restored only its hands were too severely damaged and yet while the statue would remain without hands The people of the city added a sign at the base of that statue which read, You are my hands. Has the Lord equipped you to be the hands of the church? Do you have the spiritual gift of helps? Ask yourself, do you sense when others need a helping hand and enjoy lending one? Do you prefer to follow directions rather than to give them? Do you prefer to remain in the background so as to provide support? Do you complete routine and mundane tasks effectively and efficiently? Do you enjoy giving generously to bless others? If you found yourself answering yes to three or more of those questions, you likely have the spiritual gift of helps. And there are three key principles that I would like to communicate about this spiritual gift. One, the hands of the church help to support its ministries. People with a gift of helps look to plug in wherever and however they can. They often find themselves quickly responding to identified needs, which is necessary for the church to be vibrant. Apart from volunteers, the church will never function well. Repair the gutter. Yes, yes. Take out the trash, yes. Help keep an eye on the kids during children's church, yes. Start a meal train for those who are sick or grieving, yes. Pray with 40 Days for Life, yes. Volunteer with Kids for Christ, yes. Give to the Christmas Angels Ministry, yes. Vacation Bible School, Operation Christmas Child, Christmas Basket Distribution, yes, yes, yes still, the person with the spiritual gift of helps must guard him or herself against certain weaknesses, perhaps the main weakness being the inability to say no. Those with the gift of helps need to be prepared to set limits. I remember when our family had just moved to North Carolina for me to teach, We were in the early stages of looking to align with a local church when one that we had visited a few times that we liked was holding a ministry fair. We did not yet even know if that would be our church home. It actually turned out not to be. And yet my wife was biting at the bit to sign up for all these different things. And here I am by pulling her hand back. No, baby, not yet. It's a beautiful thing, though, is it not? To want to help. But those who are servers can easily find themselves out of sorts. We see such a situation in Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. Now it happened as they went they, that he entered, Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. This text provides several warnings of the Marthas of the church, One such warning is a danger of servers growing spiritually dry or spiritually distracted. Chris Tigran says, never mistake zeal and activity as the essence of life in the spirit. Those are his byproducts, not his substance. Sometimes the Marthas of the church just need to take a restful season to be alone with the Lord. Perhaps that's what he's calling you to right now. Another warning involves the danger of becoming critical of others who fail to meet certain practical needs. Notice how Martha believes that her sister Mary should join in with the HELPS ministries, only it does not seem that that matches with who Mary is. We must remember that we all have different spiritual gifts, and we should not begrudge others who do not share in ours. Finally, a Third warning is whenever a heightened sensitivity might emerge about not being recognized for one's helps. As Martha becomes overly distracted in and by her serving, it seems she feels underappreciated. It seems that perhaps there is a feeling of resentment. And yet, while we can identify potential weaknesses with Martha's service gift, we can identify weaknesses with any of our spiritual gifts. There is something that we need to point out that's overwhelmingly positive about Martha. Martha was a responsible, hardworking Woman. She was a type of person Jesus knew that he could rely upon when he and his disciples needed a place to eat, needed a place to rest. Where did they go? They went to Martha. In this way, she represents a second important trait associated with those who possess the spiritual gift of helps. Two, the hands of the church help to support its ministers. Consider Paul's words about Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to 27. He says, He was my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my needs, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Joe Lorenz is not here this morning. I miss seeing uh, Joe. Um, because one of the things that Joe said to me when he joined this church was, I want to be for you, pastor, whatever you need. Um, You don't hear that often, to be honest. I mean, and that that just refreshed my spirit. Much like Paul's spirit was refreshed by Epaphroditus. You see, Paul was the vocal, visible apostle. Epaphroditus was behind the scenes. He was a co-worker ministering to Paul's needs. Epaphroditus was a layman who served in no public capacity. He was not called as an evangelist or as a pastor or as a teacher. He never received any special revelation. He never wrote anything to the churches. No, all that Epaphroditus did was faithfully provide for Paul's financial and physical needs, even at great risk to himself. And here is a man that Paul calls his brother, his fellow worker and soldier, and as one who ministered to him, it screams part of the same message from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, helping in unnoticed, unrecognizable places in the body of Christ is just as much a work of the ministry of Jesus Christ as are the public ministries such as being a pastor or a visible leader. People with the gift of helps, the hands of the church, they're the ones who carry forward the work and the ministry of the church more than any others. Take Phoebe in Romans chapter 16, verses one and two, Paul refers to her as our sister. A servant of the church and a helper of many and of myself also. Our take on as mentioned in Second Timothy chapter one, verses sixteen to eighteen, Paul says that he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. He sought me out very zealously, found me, and that you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. And the takes go on. We read in Acts chapter 13, verse 5, about John Mark assisting the disciples when they arrived in Salamis, where they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. We read in Acts chapter 19, verse 22 about Timothy and Erastus helping our ministering to Paul. We read in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 11 about those who Paul calls helpers because they prayed for the apostles. And what an important lesson that is. Praying is a monumental help for those who pastor churches. Those with the gift of helps must never see themselves as only being suited for forms of physical service. Pray. Pray, helpers. That is one of the most practical and helpful ways that you can serve. Pray. And then maybe in light of these various takes, we should read afresh the words of Jesus himself from Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 27. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Jesus says the greatest will be the one who serves. Just as Jesus served and gave his life as a ransom for many. Now there is a solid take for us. Can you imagine a church full of people with the hands and the heart of Jesus? Well, let's not just imagine it. Let's be like the early church who was filled with persons that did not just sit in the pews, but who gave of their sweat and of their capital. Three, the hands of the church help support its financial needs. The reason that I associate giving with the spiritual gift of helps is because it takes material resources for the church to function. And do not get me wrong, there is clearly a principle of participation here. It applies in 1 Corinthians 16.2, for instance, where Paul says on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Scripture clearly teaches that each and every Christian should give. But there are some individuals who uniquely possess a heart for generous giving. In the middle of Romans 12, 8, where Paul is listing spiritual gifts, he says, Let he who gives do so with liberality. The literal Greek root meaning for liberality is simplicity. When individuals give with simplicity, they do so from a single motive. What is that motive? It is seeing a particular need and then meeting that need with a cheerful spirit. It is not the mindset of, I have this much left over this month, so I guess I will give it. Rather, it is the mindset that thinks about helping and supporting others first. It is a sincerity of sacrifice. And that sincerity should be in keeping with Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. John MacArthur has pastored Grace Community Church, a large congregation in the Los Angeles, California area, since 1969. He talks about a season where a group of people in his church got together and formed a fellowship called salt shakers. The group of individuals without drawing attention to themselves in the slightest would prayerfully think about people who had need of financial blessing. They then sent a monetary amount to bless those individuals. The return address on the envelope simply read salt shakers because the group did not want to draw attention to themselves. You know, our church is full of salt shakers. This is a generous body of believers. Perhaps small by some people's accounts in number, but big in generosity. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. And yet there are those who don't have even here among us, who who, who don't have financial means, per se, to give. But there are other ways of giving. Consider Acts chapter 9, verse 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. What were the good works and charitable deeds of Dorcas? She would sew clothing for widows in her area. Now, I'm a fabulous sewer. Um, you know, I, I just can't find the time to do it, right, boys? I mean, but in all seriousness, clearly, I mean, many of us cannot sew. And maybe a number of us don't have the time to do it. But I just imagine that if we went through our closets, we might find things that we just don't wear that much anymore. In good condition. And then I think of Dale and his work with the Good Samaritan Ministries. And If you have something to give, maybe talk to Dale. And and it's not just Good Samaritan Ministries. There's plenty of ways in which people can be blessed through the clothes that we just don't wear much anymore. I cannot say how you feel led to serve. I cannot say how you feel led to help. I do believe, however, that whenever you walk and step with the Holy Spirit, that he will guide you into ways of serving and of giving. I, I remember having a conversation it, with, with Tina one time, and Tina says, sometimes, I'm, I'm, you know, she works you know, in, the, in the city of St. Louis, and so she sees a number of people who are often asking for things of need, and, and Tina says, sometimes I feel led of the Holy Spirit to give, and sometimes I don't. That's right, right? Let the Holy Spirit direct our helping, our supporting, our giving. Pray for Him to grant clarity in what you might do and how you might do it. This much is certain. Our church, like every church, needs spiritually gifted helpers. Pat and Leah, their ability to cook, hospitality and funeral meals, talk to Miriam Golden. Greeter, talk to Lynn Haverman or Debbie Hicks, Usher, talk to Jim Newton, children's ministry, talk to Linda Spradling. Nursery duty, talk to Laura Showmaker. Chaperone with youth, provide practical assistance with things like VBS. Talk to Pastor Chris. Assist with a few office tasks. Talk to Andy Anderson, who's taken up tremendous help for our church in that way. Join a prayer group. Talk to Sue DeLorme. Sue even wrote me up this packet, and she's like, do I have your permission to start a a group of prayer warriors? No, Sue, you do not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Work to assist with property and grounds, talk to Stomps or Mel Gunter. I mean, you know how much they do. I asked Pat and Keith if they would come and share about what inspired them to start mowing this property complex. And, you know, being those with the gift of helps, they said, We just don't feel comfortable standing and talking about it. Thank you for how you serve our church. Help the AV team. Talk to Bob. He's gone the next two weeks. Shane, you ready? Serve on security team. Talk to Rick Haverman. Drive people to church. Talk to Carol or Kathy. Baptismal preparation. Talk to Joyce or Mike Hicks. Count offerings. Talk to Dave Rushlow. Meet financial needs by giving cheerfully. Well, just do it. And I'm leaving off some of the occasional seasonal things. Christmas baskets. Christmas angels. Operation Christmas Child other things that I'm sure that I'm neglecting Look at the hands of Christ around you They're all around you Thank you Thank you For being the hands of Jesus in this church For the things that you fix and the things that you do and the ways that you minister and the ways that you give, what a blessing it is to pastor this congregation. Consider for a moment the computer network that it takes to run an operation like Amazon.com. That company relies upon its servers for its computers to communicate and keep everything up and running. Amazon's capacity to maximize its productivity is 100% dependent upon the servers that it has in place. This church is not dependent upon me. I am a single man I am replaceable. You are not. Winstanley Baptist Church is there, not here. And to recognize how well this church functions because of the male gunters. I could just name all of you. I really could. What a beautiful church this is. What a privilege and an honor it is to say, I am your pastor. Because you serve. You know, and I'm so proud of Chris. You know, one of the things that Chris truly tries to do is he tries to connect people to practical ways of service. I mean, talk to him. It's his heart. I, I would say Chris has a spiritual gift of helps. And I am thankful for the help that he provides. Today, I, I really, I just want to say thank you. I mean, that's, that's the main thing. Some of you have the ministry gift of helps. You know you do. You, you, you heard it in this sermon. You know that's you. Some of you don't have the ministry gift of helps, and that's okay. As long as we serve in some way, right? As long as we give as we're able, right? Isn't that. The principle of worship plus one? I give as I'm able because the one who is able gave me everything. Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, today my heart is full it is full because of the people of this church and the spirit that they display. Today we are reminded of those who help. We are reminded that the church does not move apart from those who serve and support bless i pray win stanley baptist church bless it i pray that it might glorify our king in whose name we pray lord jesus be glorified amen